Welcome to the Underrepresented in Tech podcast, hosted by Michelle Frechette and Ali Nimmons. Underrepresented in Tech is a free database built with the goal of helping people find new opportunities in WordPress and tech overall. Hi, Ali. Hi, Michelle. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Glad it's Friday. We've got a three-day weekend. Well, some of us probably, maybe not everyone listening, but here in the U.S., most people have a three-day weekend ahead of us, and yeah, good stuff. I don't, but that's okay. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm it's like, interesting. It, it, I'm it, not it, sure about that most thing. <laughs> it's interesting, too, because, like, I find, out of all the, like, three-day weekend ho- holidays, I find this one to be, like, borderline the most problematic, Um because Monday is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which is a day that we, mm-hmm. many, many companies and people take off, um, like banks are closed and whatnot to, to honor, celebrate Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. which is cool and great, but it ties back into um, what we talked about a couple months ago about like holidays and like being tone deaf and stuff of like, like I was in a thrift store, I was in a Goodwill earlier this week and they were like, oh, we're like, slashing all our prices and having a big sale for Martin Luther King Day. And I'm like, why? Like, what a bizarre. Yeah, I like, I don't think that was I don't think that was his dream. <laughs> I don't like, think I guess he wants people to have affordable clothes. But like, it just seemed like sure. such a it, it just seemed like a weird excuse of like, we're going to take this uh this super important American figure in racial history and use yeah. him to push product. And it's just like, uh, it always <laughs> hits me wrong. So like, I appreciate the extra day that, that I get to have off, but I always feel weird about it where it's like, what is this yeah. accomplishing? That's not the topic for today, well, but it's like, wait, I always wait till, ne- <laughs> wait till next month when we have President's Day. And it's traditionally when people have the white sale, meaning linens, right? But it's like, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's funny, right? It's funny that like we're looking at George Washington, we're looking at like the founding fathers, if you will, and there are these white dudes yeah. who like owned slaves and totally. were incredibly problematic in a lot of ways, right? And we have a white sale. We don't call it linen sale, we don't call it bedding sale, it's called the white sale on like the whitest holiday of the year. So yeah, so we'll <laughs> we'll talk about that. We'll t- we're gonna throw these in all year long. You're gonna hear our funny little Oh yeah. But today, today I was, I wanted to talk to talk about unlearning racism, right? So um, over the last, I'm going to say a couple of years, we've been doing this over a year now. So like over the last couple of years, we've been talking a lot about allyship and Allie has a great workshop on allyship. Mm -hmm. Um, And Put the make sure you make make a note to put the link to that workshop in the show notes because um it's a phenomenal workshop and I I don't have my super clicky keyboard today um oh unfortunately that was but I will clicky. make a note <laughs> well I I I overemphasized the, <laughs> the clickiness <laughs> I'm like oh I heard it though I heard it um and and allyship you know we talk about allyship a lot and as a a white person for sure I work every day on my allyship. Um, last week, we had a good laugh about the fact that my silly fibromyalgia brain um, substituted the word picnic for cookout when we talk about being invited to the cookout, right? And so 
like th- just little things like that. Which, but, for the um, record, I didn't specify last week. You are definitely invited to the picnic slash cookout, oh, Michelle. Like, I've been waiting for my invitation for you. Are a thousand percent <laughs> invited to the cookout. There is a spot Thank for you. you. We've made space. <laughs> like, I fixed you a plate. Like, you're good to go. I'll bring my famous <laughs> baked beans. I'll, I'll contribute. <laughs> Thank you. Learning but, moment for people who might not understand yeah. this joke, because it just occurred to me that we might yeah. have listeners who may not understand the joke. Why don't um, you explain it? Yeah. So in um, particularly Southern Black American culture, although there are cookouts up front as well, um, Black families will also often throw cookouts or like parties where you like barbecue, you hang out outside and you cook food and you drink and you have a good time. And it's usually for like, the family or like very close friends of the family. So like if you're invited to the cookout, it means like you can hang. Like you, we like you enough to bring you into the fold. Like um, it's like this this honor, right? Of like, if you are a white yes. person or a non-black person who if, if you are quote unquote invited to the cookout, it means like, we trust you, you're cool, you're fine. You can come hang with us sort of a thing. So um, yeah, it occurred to me that that's, that's such a ubiquitous thing here, but other people might not understand what it means. True. So that's what it means. No, Which is why it was cute when Michelle said picnic. <laughs> it's like so the, white girl, the white girl, the white girl used the wrong word for the thinking anyway okay back on topic <laughs> so back on topic so so seriously though allyship is something that you don't just like learn it in two hours and then good I'm done I'm an ally now right so yeah. it's a lifelong journey um because c- society and community doesn't just stop it's like mm-hmm. well, we're good now we're gonna hold in place right everything morphs and just in as learning learning doesn't stop right so like I do, I build Legos and I built, you know, a really cool set. Um, Allie can see it behind me. It's a, it's an orchid set, right? Mm-hmm. Recently, but I learned things on that, you know, different tools on that build that haven't been in any of my other builds, different pieces, different parts. So you can say, I know how to build Legos, but I didn't know how to assemble that one. I needed instructions to do it. So no matter what you're learning and what you're striving to do and be in life, if you stop and stagnate, you're not going to get any better. So learning is a lifelong journey. Becoming an ally and being an ally is a lifelong journey. It's it's great to say I'm an ally, but I like to think I'm, I'm becoming an ally. Like I am, but I'm always doing better and becoming a better ally. <clears throat> Excuse me. But becoming an ally doesn't just mean learning things. It also means unlearning things, right? So I was having a conversation with a person at work this week who is BIPOC in the queer community. And they were talking to me about, you know, we were talking together and I said, you know, something about unlearning racism, because Mm -hmm. there are things that happen in my own family that I recognize it when I see it and I don't perpetuate it, but I still make mental notes to unlearn those things as they Mm -hmm. come. So a family member recently, there was a restaurant fire not too far away and they used a really derogatory term and asked me if I you know, basically used a derogatory term for arson that has anti-Semitic roots. Mm. And I just looked at them and I said, we don't call it that. If you want to say arson, say arson. We're not going to equate it to anti-Semitism or any race or ethnicity. Um, when we talk about somebody, you know, burning down their establishment for insurance money. And I hadn't thought that was the moment when I thought I am constantly unlearning 
the racism that I grew up with. And Mm -hmm. like, were my parents blatant racist? No, they weren't. But that doesn't mean that there isn't racist roots in our family growing up in white America, especially, right? And so thinking about some of those terminologies that, that, you know, you have to remove from your vocabulary, thinking about the ways that you interact with people, the ways that you can approach strangers, um, those kinds of things that happen in your life. It's not just learning how to do better. It's unlearning the things that are ingrained in you from childhood. Yeah. And so I thought that would kind of be a good topic because it really dovetails well with all the work that you've been doing and allyship or we've been doing, but specifically with the courses and training that you've done. Um, and the podcast and the underrepresented tech, everything we stand for, it isn't just about learning to be an ally, but it's it's this dual process of learning to do better, but also unlearning those things that are inherent in who you are from the point where you could learn to talk and you were learning yeah. from the elders in your family and your community. Yeah, it's incredibly important because you can't, you can't not do that. Because then you start to have conflicting beliefs, conflicting ideas, conflicting practices, where it's like, okay, if you're going to hold on to everything that you learned and everything that you were brought up with, when you start to learn new things, yeah, you're going to encounter conflict. And Mm -hmm. um, that's going to make it confusing and painful and difficult. Um, But I mean, learning any new thing, right, if we're just looking at allyship objectively as a skill, um, When you're learning any new thing, you have to be able to admit when you are wrong about something. Mm -hmm. And you can't, you can't hold on to every single thing that you've learned. So I don't know, it's like, to me, it's one of those things where it seems so obvious because Mm -hmm. despite like, yeah, I've created a content and created courses and stuff like that about teaching other people to be allies, but I'm always learning to be a better ally, right? Like I have privileges of my own. I have biases of my own that I've learned that I have to unlearn. Um, And so to me, it seems obvious that for me to learn how to support you in ways that we are different, or for me to learn how to support other people in ways that we are different, um, I have to unlearn you know, so my, when I was growing up, and I mean, still, she's lost, she's lost a significant amount. When I was growing up, my mother was overweight, and she had a lot of negative things to say about that, about her own body, about other women's bodies that she would see. And I grew up with this fat phobic rhetoric in my head. Um, And I don't think that at any point, I was fully fat phobic like I hate fat people or you know fat people are this or that right. or whatever mm-hmm. but there are there I'll are never biases. hire a fat person like yeah any of right those kinds of things yeah mm-hmm. right but there are there are assumptions assumptions there are judgments there are you know all of these biases that you know particularly in I was gonna say western society but I think it's it's somewhat universal that we mm-hmm. judge people based on body type and mm-hmm. those are things that I'm consistently unlearning and like when we started the podcast there was an episode where you talked about um you know not being afraid of the word fat like if somebody calls you fat that's like a fact and that like blew my mind where i was like i would never call you fat because i've been trying to unlearn this fat phobia but it's a it's a different way of accepting and appreciating the body Mm -hmm. that you have right so it's constantly 
reevaluating, re-identifying, like work recalculating based off of external input that I can learn and internalize. Um, And the other thing is like, we are in this vastly changing period of society where so many things are being redefined and we're having all of these big conversations. And that means that sometimes like day to day things can change, right? Like day to day you, you realize, okay, well, something that I learned a while ago is like, is no longer applicable. So I have to recalculate and Mm reevaluate. Um, and that can be difficult and that can be hard and that can be time consuming. But like you said, like, it's not a one and done thing. It's a, a lifestyle, right? If you want to put it that way, it's something that you have to continue up with for the, for the rest of your, your time that you want to be an ally. Um, Mm -hmm. and there's different landscapes of like, okay, well, am I learning about this for my own personal self growth? Am I learning about Mm -hmm. this, um, for, you know, hiring purposes and like managing other people in a professional space, there's overlap, but there's also different areas. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that regardless of where you are in, in that kind of spectrum of what you are learning for, there's always opportunity to do better. And that always starts with saying, okay, well, what do I have to let go of to make room for the stronger information, the better information, Mm -hmm. the more correct information. Um, there has to be like, there has to be some humility in that. I think that's, Mm -hmm. in my experience, that is what people struggle with the most is the humility of saying what I know is wrong. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to acknowledge that and put that to the side and take in the new information. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, and there's, there's like, in the journey of learning, there's things that you discover as you become more and more an ally. Uh, I want to say it was back in maybe 2011, which feels like it was yesterday, but it was a really long time ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it's like, ah, oh. but uh, when I was on the school board, I attended a, um, conference right the new york state school boards convention and you didn't have to sign up for it's just like a word camp right you didn't have to sign up for which um rooms you're going to go listen to or which talks so you could kind of just wander in and out and see which ones kind of stuck with you and i saw one about how to support um students in the lgbtq community and so i was like i want to learn how to do better in this right and I want to see like how can I help our district support students things like that and I was woefully under educated about the LGBTQ community at the time Mm -hmm. Um, I've done a really good job I think of learning more and becoming an ally there too but back in you know the the early 2000s we use the word tolerance a lot like they you know like you you were gay tolerant or you were tolerant of the LGBTQ community and that was seen as a positive thing mm-hmm. so I sit down in this session and there was maybe 20 people so it was a very small attended session and the two people who were running it were external to the um, state school board like most of the people who were presenting were New York State school board members right you just like WordPress people you 
apply to speak in within your own community. Well, they had specifically sought people who could teach us better than we could teach ourselves, which I thought was great. So there's these two people who get up and they say, how many people here feel like they're already tolerant of the LGBTQ community? And all of our hands went up. Like nobody's going to sit there and go, I'm not tolerant. Right. And, um, and they said, and that's, and, and you think that's a good thing. Right. And everybody's like, yeah, that's a good thing. And they said, do you want to be tolerated? And I, and we all kind of looked at each other like, holy shit, I want to be embraced for who I am. I want to be welcomed for who I am. I want to, I don't want to be tolerated. Like as soon as you put that like back on yourself, like, do you want to be tolerated? Like the thought of like that, that means that people don't like me and they just tolerate me. They just put up with me. Right. Yeah. And that was like this huge, like paradigm shift that just that one, I don't even remember everything else that went on in that thing. Cause my mind was blown about just the use of words. Right. Yeah. And it's like, and and at the time, tolerance kind of was akin to, to people who really thought that they were, you know, allies. Um, at the time, tolerance was akin to allyship. So it's yeah. not to say that people who considered themselves tolerant were putting up with, right? Yeah. But the terminology was- meant a huge deal to people yeah. within the community that were being tolerated. And I'll we never might have forget talk- the impact. We, I yeah. think we've mentioned it before. Yeah. Um, but it, but it really, it's pervasive in this unlearning mm-hmm. because you could still think that you've done really well in the past. And that was part of your journey to getting better is what I'm trying to say, because you unlearn things like being tolerant to welcoming and embracing people for who they are. Yeah. I think we might've talked about this because I think I remember following up with, and I might've, I, this might, we talk, you and I, so sometimes I forget yeah. what we've talked was about. Was it on a podcast on show. or not? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but for the sake of, because I think it's a good, also a good grounding anecdote. It, that that always makes me think, uh, like the use of the word tolerance, always makes me think of the show Queer Eye, or it was Queer Eye for the Straight Guy in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And now the reboot is just mm-hmm. called Queer Eye. And the first iteration was all about tolerance. That was their whole spiel. That was like the tagline of the show or whatever is like, creating tolerance and I was too young to really watch that when it was out originally um but I've religiously watched the reboot and they've said on the show you know the first show was about tolerance the show is about acceptance and they mm-hmm. they addressed that sort of right of like we were in a period of time where all we need all we all the next step from like yes all out hatred was tolerance okay we got yes. there the next step now is embracing and inclusion and acceptance and all of those things. Um, So that's also, I think, another like way to look at it in terms of these are journeys, right? That various Mm -hmm. subsets of people have had to go through, queer people in Mm -hmm. this country, black people in this country, even women in this country, right? Like- Absolutely. there, There are spaces in which women had to fight to be tolerated in schools right? Like hospitals, bare essentials. And then once we can be tolerated, we can work toward, you know, going above and beyond that. But you're totally right. Like there, there are so many people who grew up with that mindset and Mm -hmm. have to unlearn it in order to move forward in the world and do better in the world. Um, And it goes to, it's important to note too, that like, okay, if you're going to unlearn something today, you're going to unlearn idea A to replace it with idea B. There might be a time in the near or distant future where you have to unlearn idea B 
and learn idea C, right? And like, I always yes. think about how words and terminologies change, right? Um, you know, we used to call black people coloreds and Negroes. And mm-hmm. now you do not say those words. Um, right. We go with African American or black. And um, I mean, even black, I think is kind of falling out of use and more people prefer African American. So like, it's it's going to always be changing. And I think once right. you kind of embrace and accept those things, yes. it makes it so much easier to mm-hmm. move forward gracefully. Yes, as an ally, absolutely, absolutely. And and it's it is a it's not just us changing; it's society changes, right? Like you yeah. said at the beginning. Like I I love her music, but I also just love Lizzo. Like mm-hmm. Lizzo is not only a black woman who is like claiming her place in the world. She's a woman of size, a BBW, a fat person. <laughs> like you, you, any, any of the phrases, my mother always used to say Rubenesque, like or voluptuous. <laughs> Rotund. <laughs> I'm sure Lizzo would love all those words. <laughs> but I, I love the acceptance that she has created just like through TikTok and things like that um, for all of the things that she is and the people mm-hmm. that fit those different things. Right. And so she's created, you know, clothing that are inclusive of sizes and just so much. And to be able to see somebody like Lizzo take the stage and does she suffer the slings and arrows of a million people and take a ton of negativity? Oh, yeah. She does. But like, I swear to God, that woman goes shields up. before <laughs> She gets she takes the stage is like bring it on it's just gonna be repelled right because yeah. I have I know who I am I know my energy I don't know she may go home and and like have her moments of tears and things like that I certainly would um but she is just somebody that I admire tremendously because of how she has moved things forward and mm-hmm. I think that there are people we look at over time like Martin Luther King Jr right? Like there are people we can look at over time and see how the needle gets moved just by them putting into the world the things that they do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, for anybody listening, I'm not saying Lizzo is Martin, is the same <laughs> as Martin Luther King Jr., but she certainly has done for um, plus-sized women, for Black women, for women um, in general, she's moved the needle a lot for us. It's and r- I'm just grateful for people like her. They are, I think what they both have in common is radical acceptance, right? Yes. Of like demanding acceptance, demanding love, demanding mm-hmm. that, being intolerant of intolerance. Yes, yes. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. And not accepting. It's, 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 I don't demand that people mm-hmm. respect me, but I won't accept when they don't. Yeah. Right. So there's a difference. Like you can come at me. I, I don't care. (laughs) Like you can, you can attack me like however you want. And I'm just like, your opinion doesn't matter. I know who I am Mm -hmm. and I'm secure within who I am. I think I've mentioned before the person who said to me, the really slender athletic person said to me, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago. How is it Michelle that you are the size that you are and are as confident as you are? And I looked at her, I said, why shouldn't I be? And like she completely started to backpedal, but she did. She honestly, from a from a place of fit, athletic, white privilege, 
did not understand how a person as, as large as I am could be confident. It didn't make sense to her. And I just turned right back and I said, am I less intelligent because do I have less to share? Do I, have le- do I am I less creative? Mm-hmm. No, I'm just less, <laughs> less athletic, right? Like we I, should unpack I, that one day in a show. Like the, I hate when people say that. Like I, I hate when people are like, "Oh, I wish I had your confidence," or "You're so brave for like, you know, mm-hmm. being X Y Z or whatever." And there's a degree of because I've thought about it so much. There's a degree to which I can understand the thought of like, I admire that you choose to be confident despite uh, how much input you might be getting to challenge that. Mm -hmm. That is something Mm -hmm. I feel about you. I always appreciate how you choose to be confident. You choose to be positive. Like there are so many people who have or don't have what society tells them they should or should not have. Right. Mm -hmm. And it really gets to them. And so it is delightful when you meet someone who's just like, I don't give a crap, you know, like Lizzo, yep. like you. Um, but I, I can't stand the, it's, it's, um, what's the word? Not it's, it's like putting some, no, but it's like putting somebody on a pedestal just because of who they are. Yeah. It's like, I, I had a blog once upon a time called the daily bedhead. Mm-hmm. I woke up one morning, my hair was crazy. <laughs> I looked in the mirror and it had this like weird thing going on. And it was like, oh my God, it reminded me of Flock of Seagulls, the band from the 80s, right? Which <laughs> right. if you're really young and don't know, Google it. Um, and so I took a picture in the mirror of this really crazy bedhead and I posted it to Facebook and I said, "Could does this mean I could be in Flock of Seagulls? And a couple of people laughed at it, but at least seven or eight people, I can't remember not so long ago, but at least seven or eight people were like, wow, you're so brave to put that on Facebook. And I'm like, it's messy hair. Like yeah. what's, there's no bravery in it, right? Like brave to me is, is a firefighter running into a burning building yeah. to save a child. Like that's bravery, right? Like things that, that I consider brave. No, it was. It's such a bizarre display of priorities as well. Mm-hmm. Like it almost says more about the person saying it. Cause it's like, okay, the person saying that you were brave for doing that is basically saying, I would never do that. Right. right. Like I could never do that. And it, mm-hmm. it's like, why? Why not? What's the big deal? Like, mm-hmm. it's it's interesting. And like the, the woman that said that the first thing to you about your confidence is it's like, okay, are you, meaning her, are you only confident because society tells you you can be because you're thin, right? right? Your confidence doesn't come from within you. It comes from outside of you. And mm-hmm. so when you see someone whose confidence comes from within, that's confusing to you. That's interesting. It makes sense. Yeah. It's yeah. very interesting. So all of this, just to say that <laughs> I love that people are learning and growing, but don't forget to unlearn some of the things that are, that we grew up with, that we were ingrained with. And, and you at 30, 30 something, me at 50 something, <laughs> we grew up with different things, right? We grew up in different areas. We grew up with different societal demands. Um, you know, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. It was an incredibly different world than it is, you know, in the in the 90s and, and early 2000s. Um, and I know my daughter's your age, so I can, I can say I know these things, right? <laughs> because I watched her go through it. Yeah. Um, but we all have those things. So whatever it is that you grew up with, there's things to unlearn. 
as you move forward to learn to. It's almost like you have to, like, it's a ship that's trying to get to a better place but forgets to lift their anchor. You mm. have to lift your anchor to move forward because it's just going to drag you if you don't. That's good. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. I like it. I know. I'm like, like mm. a rising tide lifts all boats, but only if you lift the anchor. Only boats. if you lift your anchor. I love that. <laughs> all right. On that high oh. note. We'll see everybody next week. <laughs> we'll see everyone next week. <laughs> This episode was sponsored by the following companies. Yikes, Inc. Yikes, Inc. is a collaborative, results-driven, Philadelphia-based WordPress agency dedicated to sustainable business practices. This episode. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode, using our database, or just want to say hi, go to underrepresentedintech.com. See you next week.